0: You are listening to episode 45 of the Happy Outdoor Families podcast, and today we are talking all about recess. Summer Bellany, mother of two, veteran teacher, and seasoned recess advocate, is here to share some of her wisdom with us about why recess is important and how we can be better advocates for recess and recess policy for our communities. Listen in. Mm -hmm. Welcome to Happy Outdoor Families, the podcast that encourages and equips families to spend more time exploring and playing together outside. I am your host, Emily Eisenbarger, and I hope that as you listen in each week, you will feel inspired and excited about reconnecting your kids and yourselves with the outdoors, whatever that looks like for you. Join with me as we dive into the beauty, the benefits, and the challenges of taking life outside. Thanks for listening. Summer Bellany is a seasoned recess advocate. As a credentialed teacher, she has experience teaching in both public and private schools. And on the parenting side, when her own children entered school, Summer served on a district-level student health advisory council where she began to really understand the importance of recess. She began to advocate locally for district policy and went on to start Texans for Recess, an organization that advocates for recess policy on the state level. Continuing her passion for school and learning, Summer is currently finishing coursework and assessments for her preliminary administrative credential and is finishing a master's degree in education focusing on administrative leadership. Her current research focuses on teacher perception of recess, and Summer also serves on the board of the International Play Association, USA, as their recess chair. Most importantly, Summer is raising two children who love to play outside as much as possible. I am excited for you to hear more of her story and her wisdom on recess advocacy. Summer, welcome to Happy Outdoor Families. Thanks for having me. So tell us just a little bit about you and how you got involved in advocating for recess in schools.
1: Yeah. Well, I always I always sort of joke that I walked into this conversation blindfolded and backwards. Um, <laughs> I taught in public schools for eight years and a year in private school. And recess was never really something that crossed my mind as an important topic to really consider. Um from the classroom perspective. But fast forward, we had moved, um, my husband's job has us moving quite a bit. And so we were in another state and I was experiencing a different school system. And and I wasn't teaching there at the time. So um, although I consider myself sort of an education insider, in this particular case, I was definitely, I felt like more of an outsider. and so I, I took off my teaching hat, and I put on my parent hat, my mom hat, if you will, and realized that when my own son, who was at the time, I think was only in second grade, came home, and I realized he hardly had any recess. He was required to be in school over seven hours a day. And at this first school that he was at, they had 30 minutes, which... Um, was okay, but it was only once a day. And then he ended up switching to a different school across town, and they only had 15 minutes. And he was required mm. to be in school over seven hours. And I couldn't figure how, how that was healthy <laughs> for kids. So I, at that point, you know, when my own son came home, just exhausted mentally and physically and not having that break that, that I didn't realize as a teacher was so important, but as a mom, I really saw it differently. Um, yeah. It was at that time that I, I began really sort of investigating and digging a lot deeper
0: yeah yeah that's it's really interesting to hear you talk about that because I feel like I'm kind of at that point my oldest is a second grader now and so I'm like I can totally see the in the mirrors of that mm-hmm. so yeah that's so interesting to hear kind of how you got involved with that and I wonder if you were trying to give somebody kind of the elevator pitch those brief, big points of why recess matters for our kids, what would you say that is?
1: Yeah. Well, so this is an interesting question because I think if you would have asked me 10 years ago, well, I guess my oldest is 12 now. So even, you know, before he was born or when he was a baby or, um, you know, prior to him starting elementary school, I would have definitely talked about recess more from what I consider the classroom perspective. Um, Recess would be a time for kids to use the restroom and eat a snack, right? It's kind of that quick Mm -hmm. break to meet their own needs. But I think now, uh, now that I can see sort of a better well-rounded picture as a teacher, also as a parent, and now more so I've been researching this, I went back to school, to specifically research and and sort of gain a better understanding of this. You know, I think recess is just, it's so important for kids because kids need to love school. They need to feel joyful when they think about learning, when they think about coming to school. And we know that recess is a huge component of joy at school. I think if you ask kids, what's your favorite subject or what's your favorite thing to do at school? Inevitably, many kids would say lunch and recess. Yep. So, you know, I th- I feel like recess just provides so many benefits that prior to my own research, I had no clue about. And I think that's an important part of our conversation is really what what is the value of recess and why do kids need it beyond just using the restroom and eating a quick snack?
0: Do you know if there there's any research on this or just from from your personal experience in advocating for recess, if there's anything that suggests like a particular amount of time that we should be aiming for, like what's the minimum that we feel like kids in school – I'm thinking mostly about elementary school because that's that's the age that gets the recess. Right. Um, what's the minimum that we should be trying to make sure our kids have when they're at
1: school? Very good question. So this is a topic that I have begun to sort of explore and read more about. And I'll tell you from my research, um, so I'm writing a thesis right now and we have to do a literature review. And as a part of that literature review, I came across you know a lot of information about that. And I'll tell you from a research standpoint, there hasn't been a definitive answer on that. A lot of the research that I have read talks about 20 minutes per day. But when you talk with other recess advocates, that's sort of a point of frustration because they, they only sort of test their hypothesis of does 20 minutes a day make a difference? Um, and they don't test, well, does 40 minutes make more of a difference or is it, should we not be talking about a minimum amount of time, but should we, be talking about maybe a percentage of their total school day, right? Because a child in some states only goes to school six hours a day. And a child in another state, you you might have a kindergartner in one state going for four hours a day, but you might have a kindergartner in another state going for over seven hours per day. So 20 minutes looks different for each of those children. So there's conversations about looking at percentages, a percentage of your school day, and there's another really important conversation to answer this question that is being had is, should we look at time? Should we look at minimum or max time? Or should we look more at distributing recess multiple times throughout the school day? Right? Because there is research that talks about the benefits of distributed breaks and distributed learning. Um, yeah. So I think, I think that that's a really good question that doesn't have an answer yet. And people in this space are, are having conversations about how, how to answer that. So yeah. that's a TBD qu- to be determined.
0: We're <laughs> figuring it out. But of course we know that some recess is good.
1: <laughs> some <laughs> recess is it. good. Yes. <laughs> and I will say that in all of my research, I haven't found any i haven't found any research that says not giving recess is good in fact oh, the yeah. opposite or of course keeping kids inside all day is good for them or that it promotes more learning or you know any of these other topics i there's no research that shows that
0: <laughs> right right yeah and I'm, I feel like I've got this bias in my mind. Obviously, I am a huge advocate and lover of outdoor play and having that free time for exploration. So in my head, I'm always just like, the more, the better. (laughs) Just let them go play. Yes. I'm right there with you. (laughs) Yes. So I'm a parent. I've got one child now this year for the first time in our school system. And I think a lot about those other parents who are in a similar situation. They've got a young child in school. And You know, we're interested in being involved and making sure that our kids are getting that recess time, that free time that is so good for them. And maybe, maybe a lot of us aren't even sure, you know, what recess time they do have already or whether it's protected. Um, So let's talk about kind of where to start. You know, if you're a parent and you want to start to kind of get involved and learn
1: more, what would you suggest as the first thing? to do? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the first thing to do is to start with your own research. And there is a lot Mm -hmm. out there on the benefits. Um, I I will tell you sort of the highlights. There are physical health benefits from the physical activity. There are social emotional benefits. uh, There are academic and cognitive benefits. uh, And of course, there are benefits that show that recess Decreases misbehavior. So, there's a whole sort of sub conversation around the role of the importance of recess in promoting positive behavior and not withholding it for negative behavior. Of course, you know, notwithstanding a, a severe major safety issue on the playground. But um, so I think start with doing some digging. There's a lot out there you can find. Um, I'm happy to help if anybody wants some, but I think that's kind of the highlight. And I think really the first place to start is talk to your child's classroom teacher. Um, Just open up maybe at parent-teacher conferences are coming up in the fall. Find out how much recess do they get. Um, Ask to see a daily schedule. I know, um, you know, you can ask the principal for a daily schedule of all the grades if that's what you're interested in learning about at the school level. I know kindergarten recess schedule probably looks different from 6th grade and there's varying reasons as to why so i would inquire i would say seek to understand first <laughs> i definitely yeah. learned a lot myself on this and i i think we all make mistakes and if i could go back several years when i first began this conversation i would have done a much better job at listening so i think seek to understand and seek to listen first
0: yeah Definitely. I think that is great advice. Um, so, maybe at, when we get to that point where we feel like we've learned a little bit, we kind of feel confident in what we are advocating for. And maybe, you know, we're at that point where we feel like maybe the recess policy or, you know, the recess schedule at my school is not what I wish it would be. Um, you know, what is your next step? You think about like who would be the people to talk to and what would you say to them at that point?
1: Well, I think this is where the conversation could get really <laughs> sort of big and involved depending on your answers that you find, Yeah. right? So when you listen, I think you should seek to find information to support, of course, what the research shows about what concerns that they may have, Um. I would ask questions like, how much time does each grade level get? And if there's a difference, ask why. Not as a criticism or a judgment, but just to understand. Um, I would ask, if does, do the teachers have discretion on withholding recess or even in giving recess? I have seen um, where schools give teachers discretion to withhold the entire recess from the entire class for the entire day, as sort of a whole class punishment model, just seek to understand: is that is that an option at your school? Um, you know, and just kind of start from there. I think you know, seek to understand bad weather days. You know, what's what's the plan for if it's snowing? What's the plan if it's raining? Um, what's the plan if it's poor air quality? I think just yeah. starting with. Understanding and and your teachers may not be able to give you all that information. You're probably going to have to go sort of up the chain of command to the principal. Um, I ended up getting involved with the school board, and you know we can talk about that too. So I think that there's varying levels for, for where you can start depending on what you find.
0: <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like kind of depending on the school, um, it might vary where that power lies in. Who is doling out the recess minutes um, to the different grades, right? So it might be on a teacher level, but it might also be above that Mm -hmm. and a little bit more out of their control.
1: Right. And I think on this topic, what I have found is that, and I don't want to speak for every school system or every, you know, grade level, whatnot, but I'll speak to my personal experience. It's that the teachers, they often, I find, want more recess for your children as well, for our children. And they can serve to be your biggest ally, but they may punt to the principal and say, well, you know, you have to talk to the principal because we don't control our schedule. And the principal may punt it either back to the teacher and say, well, they, they do, they have some discretion in their schedule, but of course, notwithstanding the schedule has to accommodate all the children. And so you can't have teachers just willy-nilly bringing kids out whenever they want. right. So there has to right. be an understanding of sort of this is your schedule time for recess and then this is when you have extra discretion or flexibility. Maybe you can offer it as a positive incentive in the afternoon when nobody else is out there. Um, but on the flip side, I've had I've seen principals where they punt it to the district level too and they say, well, this is you know this is our district policy. And that actually happened in my case at one point. So I went to the district and I said, hey, can I see the district policy? You know, I'm trying to learn more about this. And there was no policy. And so mm. what was interesting and a great learning experience for me was I met with the district. I think it was, um, I, forgive me if I get the title wrong, but I think it was some sort of executive level of elementary education. Um, and they had these sort of point people at the district who oversaw large groups of elementary schools. It was a pretty big district. Um, This was when I was living in Texas. And we had a great conversation. And it was great learning for me. And I think um, raised some questions for them as to why was our recess policy? Why did we think it was a policy, but we actually have no written policy? And Mm -hmm. it was just how we do stuff, right? And they, they sort of acknowledged that, well, we've never really thought about this. This was just how we've done it for 10, 15, 20 plus years and nobody's yeah. ever brought this up. And so <laughs> so while they didn't totally want to acknowledge, hey, we don't really have a reason for this. It was a great starting point to say maybe we could open up a dialogue about this. Yeah. That is so
0: that's so interesting and yeah, like you said that's such a good lesson to learn, I think. And of course it's not going to be the same Everywhere it may be that you your district really does have a policy, right? (laughs) And they're following. But just to know that maybe it's just that no one's ever said it out loud. You know, I think a lot of times I hear from other parents kind of concerns they have, or kind of they feel kind of sad that our kids don't have as much time to play, or they're so tired at the end of the day they don't get enough breaks. But most of the time, you know, they've never actually said that to somebody. At the school. Right. I know that can that can be hard. Um, you know, like you were kind of saying you don't want to come at that um from a position of, you know, attacking. Sure. Or like that you are you you want to be supportive and
1: understanding, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, one other thing that I kind of think about in this conversation is trying to, you know, present yourself as an advocate to. The teacher into the classroom. You know, it's not just I'm trying to get what I want in defiance of what you're doing, but but showing how you can help them and, and support them. Um, it was um, recently I saw a conversation that was happening online related to recess time in public schools. And it was just kind of a group of parents who were brainstorming different ways that they had tried to advocate for more recess time Mm -hmm. or just more open recess time. You know, one of the things that came up was weather and -hmm. there's only so much, you know, that we can do Mm -hmm. in that respect. And I fully understand that, you know, schools are dealing with hundreds of kids that not all of them are going to be equipped for certain weather. You know, it's, it's really hard to ask a teacher to take 30 kids out in the rain Sure, and then Yeah. have
1: to deal with that. And have come in with in. soaked – they have soaked socks, right, when they come in. Right. And then they have freezing cold toes. <laughs> exactly. So, of yes. course, like there
0: are limitations. But, you know, one interesting example that I saw that made me think about that, about presenting yourself as a helper, like as an advocate that, you know, hey, I want to make this better. You know, I want to improve our school. Um that these parents had gotten together and started what they called the polar bear club at their school. And so their school had this policy where, you know, under a certain temperature they weren't allowed to go outside and a lot of it was because kids didn't have the gear. So you don't mm-hmm. want kids going out and suffering in the cold when they don't have proper mittens or warm enough coat, right? Sure. But they started this club where, you know, kids could, you know, get permit – if they had permission. Mm-hmm then they were allowed to go out when it was colder. And so they had volunteers who would come and help supervise outside. So you weren't adding the extra burden on the teachers. Um, and I mean, I've i also seen ideas of doing something like that and then raising funds or doing a drive to mm-hmm. help kids who might not have you know, the gear that they need to purchase that so that every kid has that right. opportunity if they want it. I thought that was a great example of of a way to get creative and help out at school.
1: Right. I love that idea. And I love that it's, um, it's proactively thinking of the concerns that will realistically come up, right? Because as parents, we think, well, why don't schools do this? For my child, it seems great. But I think that we always have to step back and think, well, what works for my child? Um, might work if it was just your child at school, right? But it's all your neighbor's children and all your community's children. So how do you manage that at a bigger level, right? Scheduling wise, equipment wise, whether it's jackets and then, you know, where do you hang the jackets and how do you manage the jackets? And what if the jackets go home and then they don't come back? So I think it's always important to make sure that we're thinking just beyond our own children and we're thinking, you know, if I were, An administrator at the school, I love the idea. I love the parents' enthusiasm. I love that proactive idea. But how do we manage this? And I think one Mm -hmm. way, um, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, this idea of rolling out some new program at a school, at a giant school, you have some schools where, you know, they have 800 kids. You might have kindergarten or preschool all the way up through sixth grade for some elementary schools. So managing these great ideas is sometimes difficult. And Mm -hmm. I think starting small is really important. And I noticed um, I will put a plug in for our former principal. I'm sure when she thinks of me, she just pictures me coming in with this big binder of research, right? But um, (laughs) when I think of her, I really appreciate her, her effort and her willingness to listen. And one thing that I learned from her is start small, and consult with your teachers because your teachers are in the classroom every day. And so um, what, you know, what, what she did, which I really appreciate when, when I came to her and said, hey, you know, trying to understand here, um, acknowledge now in hindsight, should have done better listening. <laughs> but um, she said, essentially, I hear what you're saying. I see this research is great. Um, I'm going to talk to my teachers. And so she started with, let me see if I can get this right. I think it was her second and third grade level teachers. No, maybe I take the back. It was her first and second grade teachers. Um, And her first and second grade teachers, they were on board right away. And they said, you know what? We think our kids need more recess too. So they within their first and second grade level, adjusted their schedules to give the kids two recesses per day. I think it was two fifteen minutes, which again, in these kids were in school over seven hours a day, not a huge amount of recess, but yeah. a, sort of a mini victory, right? And I had a teacher pull me aside in the hallway and say, thank you so much. We really think that these kids needed more recess. And this conversation allowed us to to say, let's try it. We'll give you some feedback and see how it goes. Unfortunately, by that year, I was so excited. The principal called me. I remember I was actually visiting my sister in another state, and I got the phone call. And as thrilled as I was, I couldn't help but feel a little twinge of sadness because by then my son was in third grade. So he wasn't getting that benefit, but long story short, eventually it did roll up because the first and second grade teachers had a great experience that our third and fourth grade teachers also adopted the two recess per day model. So I just use that as um, as a sort of anecdotal story to when we have great ideas that we think are great to you know, bring them to the principal. But if the principal doesn't say, oh, wow, this is amazing. You know, we're going to start it with the whole school tomorrow. (laughs) Maybe the polar bear club, (laughs) really, it's a great idea. But maybe, um, maybe the kindergarten teachers would be willing to get on board, right? Or maybe not, because maybe the kindergarten teachers don't want to have to zip up a million jackets every day. (laughs) But maybe you might have your fourth grade teachers whose students can easily Manage their mittens, manage their jackets, manage their umbrellas, and maybe your fourth grade teachers say, "This is a fabulous idea. We're willing to try it." So I think yeah. that um, I love I love when parents proactively think of ideas. But I just you know I I put my mom hat on and I put my teacher hat on, um, and I say, make sure that all of these great ideas are always you know just sort of kept with we have to manage reality (laughs) with implementing them. (laughs) Yes. Um, But, but you know, bad weather, I think we should talk about weather if we have a minute. Yeah, sure. I think um, I want to put a plug in for, for the link project um, L I I N K. And so the link project is run, I think it's at a TCU Texas Christian university and they have a professor who does research. And she's um, written a book and she, about her experience in Finland. And she ca- she came back to the U.S. and she's working through a research-based model, but with schools in Texas and Oklahoma to implement a four recess per day model. And mm. one of the things that they talk about is inclement weather. And in Texas, you're not going to have freezing weather as often as you might you know, in Tennessee or in Montana. Um, but they, they have a chart that they send home to their parents and they say, you know, we're going to be taking kids out when it's this weather. And I think they account for the wind chill factor, the temperature, and that might be it. I'm thinking humidity, but I, I may be wrong in that. Um, but they just let families know. They let families know if it's Well, I don't have the chart in front of me, but, you know, let's just say theoretically, if it's 42 degrees and no wind, your child will be outside. So make sure that you send them to school appropriately. I I forget who it was that says, you know, there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad gear. (laughs) Yeah. So I think if anybody's interested, I know that they have a chart, but I think that's a very valuable conversation to have and certainly a question that one could ask their teachers or uh, principals if there's a sort of a plan B for inclement weather.
0: Yeah. And I really, I love that approach of, you know, the default being we're going, you know, please be prepared. And then, you know, maybe the alternative or, you know, the backup plan would be the staying inside versus being the other way around where staying inside is kind of the default when, when there's bad weather and maybe on a special exception, we'll get them outside. I like that, flipping that. But yeah, I'll definitely right. – I'll have to – I'll um, make a note of the link project kind of in the show notes so people can check that out too.
1: Yeah, that would be great. They do a lot of great research.
0: So you mentioned before that, you know, in um, your experiences and working on these issues, you have worked with school boards and gone to, gone to public meetings um, as a part of that. Can you talk maybe just a little bit about that experience – and what that is like doing that for the first time if someone did want to go and speak in a more public way.
1: Yes, I would be happy to share, but I will say what it's like, it feels very scary. (laughs) So (laughs) I'll just put that right out front and acknowledge it's not for, I just consider myself sort of, you know, an average, an average person. Um, I, I don't public speak um for my job, this is not something that I'm skilled at really um, just sort of you feel like you're flying by the seat of your pants but when you are passionate about something and you feel so strongly that you need to speak up because it not only helps your own child but potentially a whole grade level, a whole school, a whole district mm-hmm. at a state level right and so you sort of have to muster up all of your, energy and anxiety and <laughs> worry and just acknowledge that um, I still think after all these years um, if I told you my heart didn't start beating faster and my armpits didn't get sweaty <laughs> when I speak <laughs> up publicly about this topic it then I would be lying because it it if we're asking ourselves and others to advocate we have to acknowledge that, it feels scary and you have some physiological effects on your body. And I think that's mm-hmm. okay. So just take a deep breath, breathe, do your best to push through it. Yes, you can um, do it. <laughs> yes. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, it start. I would say start where you're comfortable, right? We talked about talking yeah. to, with the teacher. We talked about uh, meeting with the principal. Um, you may end up meeting with somebody at the district office, all of these things. And if that's where your comfort is, then, then stay, stay where your comfort is for a while. But if you're not getting traction and you really feel like changes still need to be made, don't be afraid to um, ask for information if there's a district committee that you can serve on. I know when the years that our family was in Texas, uh, Texas law actually requires that the student health advisory councils be chaired or co-chaired by a parent of an current student in that district and that the membership be majority parents. So that, you know, that's Texas. I know other States have, there's PTA uh, state level PTAs, districts. uh, I think they have something called healthy lifestyles. Um, You could see if your school has that. If not, you could learn more about it. There's a lot of great support out there from PTA for their healthy lifestyles uh, program. So if your school doesn't have that, you could see if you could start that through your PTA and serve as the committee chair. So that was actually how I began advocating at a bigger, at a district level, I served on our—we called it SHAC, S H A C, the Student Health Advisory Council—and it was through SHAC that we that I had the opportunity, and I really say an opportunity because not everybody got it. And I, I don't, uh, I, I definitely value the the great opportunity that it was, um, and I was permitted to get on the agenda at a school board in June of. I want to say maybe it was 2018. I'd have to look in my notes. Um, and I did a. Twi- I was allowed to do a 20 minute presentation where we talked about mm-hmm. our work. We talked about the benefits of recess, the research. Um, we actually, as a part of SHAC, if you recommend a policy, you're required to um, consider. I think the language is something like consider the community's values in your policy recommendation. And so in order to show that we considered our community's values, we ran a survey of all of our parents in the district. Got over 400 parents or got over 400 responses to that survey. Um, and we were able to share that with our school board. And it was overwhelmingly in favor of we want our kids to have more recess. I mean, I it was like I I, I don't want to misquote, but it was it was well above 50%, I think pushing mm-hmm. into 80s and 90%. Um, And then we were able to ask for a policy. And that's probably a whole other show about how that whole process went. But the Cliff Notes version is that the school never passed a policy. Um, But we had a lot of great outcomes from that. And we had some changes. And we raised awareness. Um, And then I think it was maybe the following year that there were other organizations in the state that were supporting a recess bill At the state level. Um, So, I had actually gone to testify in Austin on one of the bills. The bill I testified on publicly didn't make it out of committee, um, but there was another bill that by then I had started sort of a grassroots Facebook group where we were advocating. Um, So, our group advocated for another bill. It was HB 455, if I remember right. And we were able to get our local rep to support that bill and to vote yes on that. And of course, raise awareness across the state for yeah for that. So you know, I, I say all of that to say just to share that um, you can you can move up with this conversation, or you can keep it local, and it it doesn't have to be either or. I guess right, it can be all yeah. at the same time. So it's wherever you're comfortable with. But I would say that as we started out with this question, you probably won't be comfortable (laughs) speaking (laughs) up and just acknowledge that and that's okay and be willing to just work through some of those feelings. Yeah.
0: And I love that you bring up, um, and you're right. I mean, I'm going to have to invite you back and have more of these conversations (laughs) because I could talk all day. I feel like that. I like that you bring up that, you know, you were advocating for a policy that, um, you know, didn't get passed. Mm-hmm. And I think that can maybe be important to acknowledge and accept going into this too that, you know, the first time something like this gets brought up, it might get shot down and you right. have to keep going. You have to keep on advocating and and being a voice for what you think is right and what you think mm-hmm. is beneficial for the schools, even though it might take more than one try <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And it and it did. And yes, we'll have to talk later about kind of the next steps and what happened. and um, But I think a positive about this is just that it raised awareness with principals in the local district where I was. And um, they changed their school policy. Some of them, not all of them, changed their school policies. As a result, they didn't need a district policy. Now, some didn't. And they, you know, it's my opinion that they should have. Um, but we raised awareness, and then I was also invited to speak at—I think they called it an A-team, or it was some sort of principal leadership meeting. And and I only had one hour, and sadly, it was right before lunch, so maybe wasn't <laughs> the best timing. Um, but again, I think I had 25 principals, and our school board invited me to share and really dig in and dissect the research. And two of our school board members came to that. I don't want to say presentation, sort of a presentation slash working session. And so again, we raised awareness with the school board with, I think there were 25 principals that day, and with some high-level district leadership. Our superintendent at the time uh, was also there. So yes, we didn't get a policy, but we it was a wonderful conversation that made, I think, what I would say significant changes for kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think even if, even if the result of your, you know, efforts is just that you're raising more awareness and like more voices are now interested and more people are thinking about this, you know, you start that snowball and that's, that's where change comes from. So that's fabulous. Um, a couple other questions that I wanted to ask if we have a few more minutes is, um, I wonder in your experience or if you've seen any, you know, any data on this, you know, what what has been effective for you um, in advocating for change? You know, um, do people respond to research or do they respond to um, just sheer number of voices? or you know what what has been effective for you in getting things to really change?
1: Yeah, I've seen a couple of different things. Um, I would say, sadly, I haven't seen change happen simply by reading research. <laughs> it's sort of a hearts and minds conversation. Yeah. Um, as much as you know, I'm sort of I'm back in school now and really value that research approach. But that's definitely not what's changing policy. Um, I think having, I think surveying parents and having community input is important. We reached out to our local news, our media, um, and we were interviewed on the local news, um, and we were interviewed by our local newspaper. So that was one way. And my son, my other son, who was in kindergarten at the time, agreed to, he was very excited. So, you know, you have a five-year-old who's playing on the swings and on the news and says, well, why do we, why do you want more recess? And he says, well, we need to, we need to play and have fun and get our wiggles out. That's really powerful. And I'm not saying use your kids like that, but to hear their voice, literally their voice, right? And to say, this is what we need. Um, That can be powerful. There's actually a school board member, um, I believe you pronounce his name Mishke, Dan Mishke, and he's out of Dallas ISD. He actually had so much support from parents that he was willing to put uh, school board policy to a vote, despite getting pushback from the district. And there were some various reasons why the district said, eh, we don't know if we want a written policy. And Dan Mishke had so much support from parents who are his constituents who right. vote for him, <laughs> right? And so sometimes there's value in going to the school board for that too. Um, so I think that there is value in numbers in that way, but more than numbers, it's just hearing, hearing the voices of why this is important. There's another lady, um, Ari- or she's in Arizona. Her name's Christine Davis. She helped promote a recess bill at the state level. She's amazing. I consider her sort of a mentor in this recess conversation. Um, and she had multiple layers of support that helped get that bill passed at the state level. And that included the voices of the teachers. And so there's mm-hmm. some conversation around, you know, how do you enlist the support of the teachers? And of course, teachers, uh, groups or associations or unions in Arizona are going to be different from Texas or Tennessee or California. Every state sort of manages that differently. So um, there's not one way to do it. But I think talking with teachers and asking them to help advocate is is really important too. Yeah.
0: Love that. I appreciate all of your knowledge and that you're willing to come on and share all this with us. It's been awesome. Um, So is there anything else that you feel like parents can be actively doing or any kind of last advice that you would give to parents who are starting to think about recess for their kids' schools?
1: Well, I I would probably just say, you know, raising awareness is important and it's easy to feel maybe unheard or maybe frustrated, or maybe like you think people don't understand why this is important. And I've certainly felt that too. And what I've learned through this process, probably sort of the hard way, but it's critically important is to really stay positive. This is a conversation. It's an easy entry into a conversation around advocacy around children playing, right? And so that's, we have to always just keep that in mind. Um, Seek to listen and not just listen, but to understand, because when you listen and understand, it helps you build trust. And that trust in those relationships is going to come back in your support tenfold when you might in a year or even two years, um, you know, need to ask for their support And I think always assume positive intentions. Um, Our teachers are under an enormous amount of stress right now, and our administration is under an enormous amount of stress right now. And while play is important, they don't. They may view, um, you know, all the safety protocols, um, all the communication with parents. I mean, there's so much going on, and so it's not that this conversation isn't important. It is, but just assume. They want what's best for our children, um, and you've already said, "Ask how you can help." Right? Propose something, but also be willing to again come back to listening and say, "Your idea might be great, but it doesn't work for us." But what if we start small and do it in this way? Right? Mm-hmm. And finally, I think um, just remember what you're doing is important. Advocating for play—it's not frivolous. Um, recess should absolutely be required. It's my my opinion, based on my research that I've read, that. It should be required and multiple times per day. Um, and recess isn't just a break from learning; recess is learning. So I think we ha- we have to keep that in mind that recess is learning, and it's an important part of a well-rounded, developmentally appropriate elementary education.
0: Summer, thank you so much for all that you've shared, and yet again, I just appreciate you coming on and talking to us so much. Um, if listeners wanted to connect with you or, you know, see a little bit of um, the information that, you know, you're sharing about recess, is there a a good way for them to do that?
1: You know, I still manage uh, the Texans for recess group. Our family moved out of Texas with my husband's job. I'm probably going to be changing the name at some point, but haven't, but they can find me on Facebook and the Texans for recess group. Um, Please make sure to answer the questions. (laughs) (laughs) sometimes we get some, some requests that maybe don't seem like they're always interested in recess. So answer those questions, pop over. Um, I'm on social media, but I think, you know, probably that Texans for recess group is the best place.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. And I know that's where I found you. Someone had referred me to that group, even though I'm not in Texas, they said, even if you're not in Texas, this is a great place to be. If you want to, um, start advocating for recess. So I will, I'll link that as well in the show notes if people want to check that out. Cause I think you share a lot of really helpful information in there too. So again, I just appreciate you being here and, and thank you. And we're going to have to talk again soon because I feel like there's many more conversations to be had.
1: (laughs) Definitely. Well, thanks so much for having me. This was fun.
0: I hope that this conversation was as helpful for you as it was for me. Um, I have so many great ideas going forward of how I can be more involved and more helpful in my community when it comes to advocating for recess for my children's schools and for all the schools in our area. I am already thinking about the next conversation that I want to have with Summer and share with all of you. I will link several of the resources that Summer mentioned in the show notes as well as some other places that you can go if you want to learn more about Recess policy and how to support your schools and advocate for the children in those schools. Thank you so much for being here and listening in today. As always, it is just an honor to be able to create this podcast and to have you here participating in this way. If you want to connect further, you can find me over on Instagram at happy outdoor families, where I would love to chat with you. I hope that you have an amazing week and that you have opportunities to get outside in whatever way feels best to you. Until next time, I will see you outside.